Good evening. Thank you for coming. Welcome back. Today is tonight. Starts the new month of Cheshvan. Actually, the last day of Tishrei, but it's Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan already. Shem Shebench us all with a really, 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 really super good month. And uh, the month of Cheshvan is particularly Mesugal, meaning appropriate for the building of the Third Temple. That's what it says. The reason why Cheshvan is called Mar Cheshvan, Mar Cheshvan means on the, on the, one of the meanings is it's bitter is because it's the only month that doesn't have a holiday uh, is the month of Cheshvan and the reason is it says because Hashem is saving Cheshvan for the great celebrations and festivities of the inauguration of the third base on English so may we merit to see that now, now, and now okay, tonight's class was dedicated so first of all, welcome to the new round even though we started already classes in 5779 a few weeks ago after Rosh Hashanah, but this is the new round of Parsha in my life. Um, I think we're on our 11th round. 11 is infinite. 10 is fixed. 10 is fixed. Number 11 is Ain't Sof. So Hashem should help. This should be like, wow. We should get the infinite light and capture the infinite light in this class. Okay, so tonight's class was dedicated by Sharon and Ushi Bistamsky, and that's in honor of Tova's birthday. Now, the Abish the Bench, the daughter Tova, with a big, 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 big bracha, Shnas Bracha a wonderful good year, with only, only, only big, wonderful, great, revealed blessings, um, and all that you want and all that you need, to your husband Ari and to everybody to the entire Roth and Bestamsky family, much, much bracha, and only, only happiness and only good things. Thank you, and happy birthday. This special CD this week, uh, first in our 5779 series, is sponsored by Shai Benalulu, and this is in honor of his dear aunt who had just passed away, uh, Zvia Bas Avraham. May her neshama, may this be to tremendous zechut for her soul. And uh, the family should only know of happy, happy occasions and only, only good things. And now um, we are ready to begin. Okay, it's Parshas Noach. And we're back to the mabel, to the flood. And that's not such good news, but thank God we have a teva. We have an ark and we can get into the ark and the ark will protect us. So... We actually came out of an ark. We just came out of an ark. As we know that this, the, the, the sukkah, in which we spent an entire week uh, in the sukkah, during the uh, uh, Yom of sukkahs, is similar to the ark. There's a lot of similar. Spiritual energy of the sukkah is the same spiritual energy and godly light that was present in the table. Mystically, we mystically, both the, the, the godly infusion that's in the teva and the godly infusion 
that's in the sukkah come from the same place. They come from a world of freedom, from the realm of cheros, of freedom, from a very transcendental place, Alma de Chera, the place of freedom, which is Moshiach light. And that is the energy of Bina. We know anybody that has learned a little bit of Hasidus knows that in the sukkah is Makifim de Bina. We are encompassed with the encompassing energies and lights of the very high level called Bina, godly, divine understanding. And on, in, this, in the Teva, in the Ark, was also the energies of Bina. And Bina is a place of, of freedom. And as we said, true freedom will be when Mashiach will come. And we all will be freed from our internal struggle, from the Yetzirah. And therefore, when we're freed from our Yetzirah, all envy and all dispute and all animosity will dissolve from our hearts. And we'll all finally learn how to get along. That's why in the Teva, even though it was a massive jungle, it was civilized. All the animals got along with each other. They all had their own spaces, but they were so close together that the fact that they didn't, they didn't uh, destroy each other is just an absolute miracle. And the reason is because the Teva was a Moshiach zone. The Teva, the Ark, was a Moshiach zone. And as we know, the Sukkah, the Sukkah is also a Moshiach zone. The sukkah is also a place where Mashiach's light, futuristic life. And that's why we know that the tevas are mentioned. The main element of the teva was that it was a place of shalom, of peace. And we know that when Mashiach will come, one of the great prophecies during the time of the future redemption is Vigor Zev Im Keves, that a wolf and a sheep and a, and a lamb will live together, and a little child will play by the, by the, by the hole, by the entrance of the of a python's hole, and uh, and what is it? A beer will be together with a with a goat. So that's what the that's the prophecies of the future redemption, and that means in addition it can mean on two levels. It can mean it means a miracle transformation regarding the animals, but obviously it means regarding to the peoples, the nations of the world, which will finally learn to live in peace and in oneness and in harmony with each other. No more war. So the time of Mashiach is called the time of peace. Well, the, te- well, the sukkah is also a sukkah of peace. Ofreis aleinu, spread upon us, sukkah shlomecha, the sukkah of peace. So sukkah and teva are deeply connected to each other, and they come, we read Parshas Noach, in which we're commanded to go into a teva, at the very end of the month of Tishrei, when we're just about a week, a little over a week, out, out of our sukkah. So the sukkah and the teva come together. But let's try to see um, if we had a teva a long time ago and then we were given a mitzvah of sukkah, probably the mitzvah of sukkah is greater than the teva. So that's what we're going to discuss today. How is our sukkah far superior? Which means the peace and the harmony and the love that we have towards each other, the love and the care that we have towards each other as a result of the sukkah. The sukkah brings us all together. Say, just say an interesting thing. We know that Jews, any place you come to a, a, a Jewish town, there has to be at least two shuls. It's like the famous story where you had a Jew who was alone on an island, and, uh, and he built it up a little bit. And then when finally he got visitors, and, he, and they asked him what's going on, and, and he showed him around. He said, this is one shul, and this is the other shul. And they asked him, why do you need two shuls? It's only you over here. He says, this is a shul I daven in, and this is the shul that I will never step foot in. Right? 
So every Jew has to have one shul that he doesn't step foot into. So um, the 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 uh, but it, so yeah, it's hard to get all Jews together in one place. So many different opinions, and everybody's super super uh, passionate about their ideas and so forth. But the interesting thing is that in the sukkah, the sages say it is fitting that all the Jewish people to sit in one sukkah. When some, for some reason, when we enter into a sukkah, all the differences melt away, and the four walls of the sukkah embrace all the Jewish people, similar to what we spoke about in the table. But the unity and the oneness, the peace and the connection, and that camaraderie and oneness that we are, is achieved in the sukkah, that we're supposed to take with us all year long, is much deeper and much greater than the unity and the oneness and the peace and harmony that reigned in the table. Uh, and the simple reason is because our mitzvah of sukkah is a mitzvah that's given to us after the giving of the Torah and Noach's teva was built before the giving of the Torah and we know that all godly influence after the giving of the Torah is so much more potent than the godly influence before the Torah was given so since our our um, sukkah is post which is our teva our ark is post giving of the Torah it is so much greater Okay, so let's really understand what is that greatness? And what is the secret to our unity that we have over the unity in the table? So to understand that, let's analyze some simple things about the table. But an obvious, obvious question. Rashi tells us an interesting thing, and it's, quote, and it's stated in the Medrash in more than one place, that Noah built the teva for 120 years. That's a pretty long time. 120 years Noah spent chiseling and carving and cutting and, and banging ha- nails and building that massive monstrosity. He built the table. Now, the ob- and the question is if you start thinking about it, which should really be, thinking, what really took so long? 120 years is a very long now, we're all annoyed with this Wilshire building over there of that. Of that, of that. When are they going to get that train station done? Okay, this is taking already five years, ten years. It should get done, right? Okay, but we all have a moon now. We all have faith that hopefully in, 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 in two years from now we won't have the traffic anymore. It'll be clean, nothing going. They'll have already their train station. I mean... What took 120 years to build a table? Now, the is huge. It was big. 300 cubits long. It's about 500 feet long. 50 cubits. It's a large three-story ship. It's a massive... It was, you know, I had to take all the animals in. I mean, it didn't really have space for all the animals. It was miraculous. Nachmanari says it was a miracle that all the animals were able to fit into it. But still, it was a pretty decent size, big uh, 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 piece of, it, was a, it was a huge structure. But 120 years? I mean, if Noah... Okay, I know he didn't have the equipment that we have today. You don't have an electric saw and electric drills and you have to war work. It's a different kind of work. But they have these great construction um, things that were built in those days, even back then. And this is not the Great Wall of China. This is a building. I mean, not a building, a ship that he built. And So he could have put together a nice crew of people, of workers, you know, uh, uh, 30, I mean, 200 men, 
you know, he pays them, he hires them. I mean, God pays 200 chever to those guys. In those days, the guys were real bulavanas, you know, you had these really muscle men back then. These guys come together, 200 guys like that, get it done. Takes you three years, takes you five years, 10 years, 20 years. Gewald, 120 years for Noah to build a teva. Doesn't make any sense. We can answer and say, okay, that's why Noah is not the biggest hero in human history. By the Jewish people, maybe for, you, for humanity he's a very big hero, but for the Jewish people we have greater heroes. We pay greater tribute to Avram Avinu. He is the patriarch of the Jewish people. And we look at him as a much greater tzaddik than Noah. And we can say that Noah was lacking in his tzitkis. Noah was lacking in his righteousness. And because he was, and part of what he was lacking was that he was, he didn't have the same kind of zeal and zest and devotion and dedication and commitment like Avram had. We know by Avram Avinu, you know, we make a big deal about the, the greatest thing that Avram did was that he was willing to go sacrifice his son. The question that is asked is, we know it was his one and only son that was born to him in his older years. We can understand that, but after all, God himself is speaking to you. And we know that many Jews sacrificed not only themselves, but their entire family during the times of the Crusaders, where Jews went willfully into the flames, went willfully to the sword, them, their children, little babies, in order to remain faithful to God. And God did not speak to them. So Avram Avinu, we make such a big deal about the Akedah. So there's a few answers, but one of the answers given in the Tanya is what's so great about Avram Avinu is not that he did it, but that the speed and the alacrity and the excitement, the zrizos, Avram had tremendous zrizos, that he ran, he woke up early in the morning, the Pasuk says, and he went with joy to go do something that's so difficult. That was something to notice. That was the greatness of the Akin. So Noah, he's not such a big tzaddik, and he's lacking in that, so he was lazy. So since it was lazy, it took him 120 years. That probably... That we might suggest that as an answer, but it doesn't really work. The reason why it doesn't work is because there's a verse. The Pasuk, even though when the Pasuk says he's a tzaddik, it says one minimizing word, bidorosav, in his generations he was a tzaddik. Which we know that our rabbis argue about it. Some see it, some see it in a positive light and some see it in a negative light. Some say in his generation he was a tzaddik. Had he been in other generations which were people were greater people, he would have excelled even far more, even greater. He would have been even a greater tzaddik. To be a tz- in his generation, even he was in such a terrible generation, he was still a tzaddik. But he would have been, had he been in with, with other great people, he would have been unbelievable tzaddik. Others say, no, only in his generation he was a tzaddik. Because compared to them, he was a tzaddik. Had he been in, in, a, in a generation of other great men, he would have been hardly noticed. Okay? So if we say that, that Noah is not such a tzaddik. But one thing is for sure, when it comes to this commandment, that God commanded him to build the teva, over here, the pasuk gives Noah a very, very nice compliment. Vayas Noach, pasuk chavbez, Vayas Noach kechoyel ha-shetziva kein oso. Noach did exactly like God commanded The pasuk doesn't only say that Noach got it done. It says he did it kechoyel as all, completely like God commanded. 
So if the Pasuk says that Noah built the Teva perfectly, perfectly like Hashem commanded, if it says that Noah built the Teva perfectly like God commanded, it can't mean that if he could have gotten it done in 15 years and it took him 120 years, God would give him such a, uh, a, such a compliment. Right? It, this is, this is a, waste of, a waste of time. If Hashem wants it done immediately, well, why is he taking 120 years? Since the Torah does compliment Noah, we have to say that it wasn't, that he wasn't lacking in this, in this performance. So we have to search elsewhere for an answer. So perhaps we can say, Noah wasn't in a rush. There's another reason. Noah was not in a rush. We shouldn't think for one moment that there was a moment when God got really ticked off at, the, at humanity and because of his anger, he unleashed this, 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 this ferocious, horrible, terrible, killer, killer storm to wipe out humanity. That's not what happened. Hashem did not act brashly or on the, on, um, um, uh, on, by, by the spur of the moment. We learn already in, in Bereshis that Hashem was deliberating the flood 120 years before the flood. It says in last week's Torah portion, at the end of Pasha's Bereshis, that Hashem was considering whether to wipe out, Hashem was very displeased with the performance of, of humanity. And God was seeing the world becoming denigrating and becoming horribly corrupted. And, and, and Hashem said, you know what, I'm going to give them another 120 years. So since Hashem gave, and, and, and then Hashem has decided if he's going to do that. And we know that that's when he spoke to Noah. Because we know from Rashi that it took 120 years for Noah to build the table. So it was the time when God thought about it to bring it. He told Noah. And the reason why Hashem said, I'm going to wait 120 years, was to give people a chance to repent. Let's see what's going to happen. If they change their ways then Hashem is going to, have to call back the flood. So then we can argue and we can say that Noah knew that the mabel was not, the flood was not something that was going to happen tomorrow. He had enough time and therefore he took his time. And, if he, and, 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 and he knew even the date. He knew it's going to be in 120 years from now. He knew one thing, he has to get it done by 120 years, he has to be finished with building the Teva. And that's why it took him 120 years. That could possibly be a plausible explanation of why a project that should have taken five to ten years ended up taking 120 years. The problem, however, with that is twofold. Number one, when Hashem speaks to Noah in the Psukim, at least what the Torah tells us, it doesn't say that God says to Noah one time when the flood is going to come. Even if Hashem did tell him and Noah knew that, it's not stated in the Chumash. And since it's not stated in the Chumash, we don't know that Hashem said that thing. God doesn't give him any conditions that he should have them. Hashem doesn't give him a, 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 a um, Hashem doesn't give him what we call a, a, a deadline, and say, you know what, you need to get this done by then. It doesn't say that. He told him to make a a a, a ark. And if Hashem tells Noah to build a teva, and you have a mitzvah, you should do it. And God speaks to you directly. You should you should get it done immediately. To go and schlep because you know it's not going to be needed till later is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. And again, we know that Noah didn't do anything wrong by doing this. And how do we know that? Because Hashem compliments him. The Torah compliments him on a job well done. Another reason why we can't give that answer, that the reason why Noah took so much time is because he knew that the flood is not going to come till another 120 years. Another reason is because, argument against that, 
is because if that was the case, then Noah kind of can wait. And I'll say, what, what would Noah be doing instead? I mean, he has nothing better what to do. He might as well build the flood, get it done. Build the, build the ark, get it done. We can argue, again, let's, we're, trying to, we're trying to defend Noah. And we can argue, and we can say that he figured, you know what? Instead of building a teva, let me instead inspire people to do tshuva. Let me tell the masses. Let me go tell people that a flood is about to come. And hopefully the people will heed my, my, my warning. And they will change their ways. And then we won't need to build this whole monstrosity, this whole construction, and because it won't be a flood. And only when he saw there was no choice, because time was nearing and the people did not change, they only became more corrupted than they were before, so he went and he built his tape. That would be the argument, right? We would say that the time that he spent was to inspire the people and try to get the people to do truth. The problem, again, with this is mentioned is that if that was the case, then Noah could have started the project of building, I don't know, 10 years before the deadline. 20 years at most. 30 years, if you want to say it would take 30 years to build a table. If that would be the explanation, because he knows that the, that the clock isn't ticking. He's still got a long time till it's going to happen. So then, Noah should have, in that case, done something else, and eventually he will come and he will start the construction of the table. Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says that Noah was building the teva for 120 years. He was building the ark for the entire 120 years. So what's schlepping? What's taking so long? This is the worst construction project. 120 years. So we have to say that Noah intentionally was building this. The, the, it, there wasn't a, a, a particular reason for Noah to take so long in the building of the table. And we have already a, a clue, because Rashi actually says that Rashi asks a question. Why did Hashem have to save Noah in the first place through making an ark? Hashem could have saved, Hashem could have protected uh, a Noah from the flood many other ways without having to make him work so hard? It's Rashi's question. Why did the Abishter have to make Noah work so hard? And Rashi doesn't say this. He just asks the question. But other in the, in the Medrash it actually says, Hashem could have picked him up and planted him on the moon for a year. I mean, that's, actually the Medrash says that. Hashem could have taken him to heaven for a year. He could have brought him to some other safe zone and then he wouldn't have to work so hard. So Rashi answers. The reason was because we wanted Moshe, we wanted Noah to be on the construction site for 120 years. So that the people will inquire, what are you doing? And Noah will tell them that the flood is coming. And the people are going to ask, and, and so, so, so Noah would say, I'm building myself a, you know, they're worried in Florida about the storm. So this is a, this will be a super storm, the like that the world has never seen. I'm building myself a safe, a safe haven to be protected. And he said, how do you know about the storm? And he said, because God spoke to me. And he told me that he's what he's about to do. 
why is he doing it? Because of the way you're behaving. And hopefully this would, this would change that. So for the 120 years, the people heard Noah banging nails with a hammer and sawing planks and cutting and busying himself with this. And it was part of the inspiration that it was taking Noah 120 years. I mean, this is a crazy, this is a crazy project. What are you doing? Especially it drew, it drew a lot of attention because it wasn't like you usually build a ship, you build it next to the water, next to... Noah is not by any... He's not next. He's not by the sea. He's just in the middle of a city, in the middle of a town. He's building this big ship over there for a storm that's going to come. This must have drawn a lot of attention. All the newspapers came and the TV reporters and everybody was out there asking him what's going on. And they would come by every few years and check out again what he's still building. And the fact that it took 120 years, they would question him, he would answer, that's what it was. So it comes down to the building of the Teva for 120 years. Its mission itself was the building itself. And the purpose was in the building so that the, that itself will serve as a warning to the people and hopefully get the people to do true. Okay, That would be the answer. But that's insufficient. We're getting closer, but it's insufficient. The reason why it's insufficient, because according to that, what we're really saying is Noah could have gotten it done much quicker. But he worked very slow. He literally, you know, every day worked a little bit just just to pull it out because he needed, he wanted to have 120 years to tell the people. If that would be the case, you can argue and say, listen here, there's a big, 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 huge teva, even if it would be built already. Let's say, he, let's say when God instructs him, it takes him 10 years to build this ark. And for the next 110 years, whoever is walking down La Brea Boulevard comes across this big ship in the middle of someone's, you know, what is this? They would ask the question, and they could still, get, could still get into the same dialogue that soon a big flood is coming and I got my ship ready for me and my family. No one else is coming in here. Right? And you guys better you know, take care of yourselves. So uh, that would have also worked. He doesn't have to build it for 120 years. As long as the ship is there, actually the, the words of the Talmud is that the people asked him, or Rashi uses the term also. Rashi says, let me get the Rashi over here. Um, what is this to you? Which can be interpreted not just why is it that you're building, but what is this construction to you? Something that's finished already, it's completed. This teva, what's it over here? What do you have this? And he would say that the Abishta is bringing a model. So therefore we have to say, again, when we're just trying to figure out on the most simplest of levels, because it's interesting that Rashi doesn't explain his statement that, Mo- that Noah built the Teva for 120 years. He's taking it for granted that, that, that we would up- understand why it took 120 years to build it, which is really astounding because by all means it shouldn't have taken so much. A couple of, as we said earlier, a couple of construction workers work with Noah, they can get the job done pretty fast. And what we're trying to say right now is that he really could have gotten it done much faster, but he took his time to warn the people. But the question we're asking right now is that in that case, he could have built it immediately and had, had the ark itself serve as a warning for the people, the finished ark. It doesn't have to be busy. Because, you know, think about it, 120 years is wasting a lifetime. So it's a, I mean, today's days, it's a lifetime. To him, he lived to 900 years, fine. But it's a serious chunk of time, and we shouldn't be wasting it on things that we can get done faster to be busy with a project for so long. So we have to say, here's the main point. We have to say that the, that the Teva 
could not have been built, built faster. It actually was such a structure that can only be built in 120 years. It literally took, Hashem gave him a job that not because he was lazy or schlepping or doing it slow, it took him 120 years. It took 120 years because that's as long as it took. That's how long as it should take. Not only that, he actually got it done pretty fast. And it's actually a miracle that he got it done in 120 years. And you ask me why. And the answer is, here's, here's the catch. There was only one, this, no one knows this, there was only one construction worker in the entire work. And that was Noah himself. No one was permitted to help him. It was a one-man job. Now for a one-man job to build a, 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 a ship this size, we wonder how he got it done in 120 years. Then he has to cut down all the wood, and he has to make the planks, and he has to knock in every nail without any help of anybody else. The entire job was a solo project of Noah himself. How do you know that? Well, um, see, it's, it's, it's something that we don't notice when we're reading the Pasuk. The Pasuk says in Pasuk Yudalit, Asei lecha tevas atzei goifer. Make for yourself an ark. Asei lecha tevas atzei goifer. Make for yourself. The words Asei lecha Rashi learns doesn't mean that this is on all levels of interpretation. But in Rashi's simplistic interpretation of the Chumash, when it says, Asei Lecha, means make it yourself. Work, make the Teva yourself. And to support this, even though Rashi doesn't say it, but again, we're, we're assuming this, that that's the reason why Rashi says it took him 120 years. Because he had to build it himself. Abarbanel says it. Abarbanel says that you can't have it be made by someone else. You have to do it yourself. Now, Abarbanel doesn't take it to that extreme. From the words of the Abarbanel, you don't, you don't have to take it to the extreme that he couldn't have any other helpers. It means he couldn't have it contracted to someone else. He had to participate himself in the work. That's what the Abarbanel says. What we, are, what we are saying today is something stronger. He couldn't have any help at all. The entire teva, the entire ark building was a mitzvah that was laid squarely on him and he couldn't get anybody else involved. Every little detail of detail of that table. To the railings, the, the, the fans, the ceiling lights, everything from top to bottom, all the stair, everything, the paint job, from every part of the teva was required work for Noah himself. Was just, this was a labor of a lifetime. Now, What's, the, what's really behind it? What's the idea that Noah has to build it himself? So let's first analyze. When God tells Noah to build a teva, is there a mitzvah? Let's get a little bit more from a halachic perspective. When God tells you to make something, for example, make a sukkah, is there a mitzvah in making a sukkah? Or is there a mitzvah in ha the result of it, that you should have a sukkah for yourself made? What's the mitzvah? What's the halachic criteria of the mitzvah? When Hashem says to make something, is the mitzvah the act of the doing or the mitzvah is the result of that act? So 
In the teva, you can say both ways. You can say Hashem wanted there should be there should be a teva, so Noah can save himself, his family, and all the animals. Now, how how is there going to be a teva? Naturally, a human being has to make it. So therefore, you make it. But there's no divine interest in the actual building and making of it. Or we can say no. The mitzvah is the pa'ula, the action. The action of building, that was the mitzvah in itself. The act of building. The rugged shaver, one of the great ge'onim, questions by the teva. He has this question. What was the mitzvah? The mitzvah was, have yourself a teva, have yourself an ark, or make the ark. The actual doing of the ark. If we say the mitzvah is the actual, and he says when the Torah uses the word asiyah, to make something, then there is a, besides if there's explicit uh, um, instructions not to, then there is an actual um, a mitzvah in the doing. So number one we've established, if we, if we will accept that line of thinking, that the mitzvah was for Noah, not to have a teva, but to make a teva, so that's why we can understand why he couldn't call a construction company and have it built for him. He needed to build it himself. Because the mitzvah is the making. Just like, just like you can't have someone else eat matzah for you. Because the mitzvah is the eating of the matzah. So in this case, he couldn't have someone else do it. But we still have another issue. And that is even when you yourself have to do a mitzvah, we know the rule is you can still get someone to do it on your behalf from the concept of shlichus. And we know the idea of shlichus means that someone becomes your agent. And a shliach is as if they're you. Shluchai shal adam kemoso. It's a halachic idea. That the shliach of a person, when you, when you make an emissary or an agent on your behalf, it's considered, there's a question to how far we consider this. There's a question even... Do it doesn't mean that the act is as the action is as, is as if you did it, or do we say even further? Not just the action is considered the effects of the action go to you, but that the action itself is as if your hands did it, or even further than that. A shliach is so strong that you that for those five minutes, someone is doing something on your behalf. They are you. You are them, and they are you. At that moment, they have your identities have merged. For that moment. This person is considered to be the sender, not himself. That's a concept called shlichus. And we know, uh, you don't have to, everybody has to make Kiddush, but you don't have to make Kiddush yourself. Someone can make Kiddush on your behalf, and you have the mitzvah of shluchai shal adam kemoso. And again, there are restrictions of when, which mitzvahs you can make someone to be a shliach. So even if we're going to say, let's go back, even if we're going to say that the mitzvah of of an ark was not to have the ark, but to make the ark, we can still ask the question, well, Noah has his children, he can call Shem, Chum, and the office and say, listen here, I know I have, this is my mitzvah, but I am appointing you a shliach. I'll give you a perfect example. One of the mitzvahs that every person, that, that every home needs to do is to, is to, um, is to, is to uh, do beer chametz. Before Pesach, the night before Pesach, you have to look around the whole house and find uh, the, if there's any crumbs. Sometimes if it's a large home, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty daunting task. So it says in Shulchan Arach that a father or a bit can take his sons, put them around them, make the bracha, 
and then appoint them all shluchim, each one to go into a different bedroom or a different part of the house, a different floor, and do the bedikas chametz. And they're all his shluchim. They're all his agents. So we can argue that uh, 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 what's his name, um, Noah, should be able to call his sons together and uh, have ishtem shluchim. The problem is, and here's 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 the reason why it won't work. And it will force us to the conclusion that Noah himself had to do it. Why? Problem is that shlichus only works by Jews. And Noah wasn't Jewish. Noah is still a Ben Noah, he's a Gentile. Since Noah is a Gentile, the laws, the laws of shlichus, the laws of shlichus do not apply from Gentile to Gentile. So a Gentile can't appoint, if for whatever reason a Gentile has a mitzvah that God gives him to do, he can't appoint someone else to be his shliach, his agent for that. If that's the case, since the mitzvah of building the teva was a mitzvah that needed to be, the mitzvah wasn't to have a teva, the mitzvah was to build the teva, so we can understand that it was Noah's mitzvah, and God told him to do it, he can't appoint any emissary, which that emissary will be considered like him, because in the laws of Benoach, in the laws of the, in, in, in when someone is not Jewish, they don't have that power. That kind of what we call power of attorney, that it should be considered as if your actions are there. They can't do that. Halachically, in the realm of Allah. And there, poor Noach has no choice, and he's got to build the entire teva all alone. And no wonder it took him. 120 years. But now, we shouldn't be so harsh on Noah. We should really, really, really thank Noah because it's amazing what he did. He saved us all. Literally, we're all alive today because of his hard work. And he must have slept very little in those 120 years. He had a deadline. Boy, did he have a deadline. 120 years was way too little for a project like that when he is the only worker and he's doing it the whole time. Now, let's step back a moment. I mentioned to you the question over here, is if there is a mitzvah to make the teva, or is it a mitzvah to have a teva? The mitzvah is to, to, oh, to, that he should make sure it gets done, or the actual making. This, this is, as mentioned earlier, it's the Rogachover, one of the great, Reb Yosef Rosen, great, great scholar, before the war, genius of geniuses. And he questions this, this question regarding the teva. And he's back and forth, both, both options. If the mitzvah is to have it, or the mitzvah is to make it. Now, by the way, I'll give you a proof. He proves that the mitzvah is not to make it, but the mitzvah is to have the teva. One of his proofs are, there's a Rashi, not here, but in, in, Masechte, in Talmud, in the Gemara, in Masechte Sukkah, the, the Gemara says in Masechte Sukkah, it's an interesting Gemara, the Gemara says that there are four carpenters. Four great men that are called carpenters. And who are the four great ca- carpenters? They're called Harashim. The, the Gemara says there are... In what? Let me just give you the context. The Gemara is talking about groups of tzaddikim. The Gemara says there are seven shepherds throughout history. Seven shepherds. There are eight princes and there are four carpenters. Who is enlisted in the four carpenters? a pretty nice list. Moshiach ben Yosef, Moshiach ben David, Shem, Shem, the son of Noach, and finally, um, Eliyahu Anavi. These are four carpenters. 
They're called Harashim. Carpenters of history. So Rashi says, Mashiach is a carpenter because he's going to build the base of Mingdash. Both Mashiachs, whatever that is. If they're going to build the base of Mingdash, that's why they're called carpenters. Leo was a carpenter because he built the, the broken, the broken ark, the broken uh, altar. The Mizbeach, he was the one who reconstructed the altar. He's called the carpenter. Why is shame called the carpenter? So the Gemara says. So Rashi says he's called the carpenter. The Gemara doesn't say why. Rashi says he's called the carpenter because he assisted with his father in building the table. So you see clearly from Rashi and the Sech Sukkah that Noah did have help. He didn't do it all alone. Understand something? We have a young son with you. It's not double as fast. It's more than double because it's not just two times as fast. Two people doing it gives you three times the speed. It's much. This is what Rashi says. So the Rogachover proves from the fact that shame was helping Noach, and there's no. So the so, so, so the proves from here that you can't say the mitzvah is to make the teva. If the mitzvah would have been to make the teva, make the ark then shame couldn't have helped them. Because again, before Matan Torah, you can't appoint someone as a shliach. The mitzvah is on Noah, he has to do it himself. So from here he proves, or he wants to lean, that the mitzvah was not to make the ark, the mitzvah was to have the ark. But we can say, the, these two sides of the, of the question, of the debate, whether it's a mitzvah to have it done, or to make the ark, is dependent, and this is very, very important, it's dependent on the fundamental purpose of the ark. What's its purpose? What's the ark all about? So there's two ways of looking at the ark. One of them is, it's the sheltering of Noah and his family during the time of the flood. If the purpose of the teva was to shelter Noah and his family during the time of the flood, during the time of the Mabel, if that's the purpose, then who cares how it gets done? The main thing is the finished product. I have a teva, the family can go in and they can, the animals can go in and whatever and everything, and humanity and life on earth could be saved. But if we say the building of the teva had an additional purpose, in addition to saving the people over here, it was also an act of an attempt to save the old pre-flooded world from being destroyed. Because when he's going to build it, and the building, as we said before, when he's going to build it, and the people are going to ask him, why are you building it? And he's going to explain to them, I'm building it because of a flood. This is going to serve as a warning and hopefully get the people to change their ways. Then the mitzvah is not to have a ark, to have a, ark, to have a teva. The mitzvah is also in constructing and in building it. And now it will make sense, if that's the case, that the construction should be a one-man construction. Because if that's the purpose, we want him, Noah, to be busy with this construction for 120 years. Because by him doing that construction for 120 years, he's actually doing the mitzvah. Which mitzvah? The mitzvah of building the teva, which what's the, what's the, what, what, what's the inner purpose of the building of the teva? Is to admonish the people in the generation. It's to rebuke the people in the generation. So it's not something that, if it would have, remember we asked earlier, you could admonish the people if what? If you build it and it sits in your backyard and everybody can ask you. No, 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 no. Then you're not doing that mitzvah for the, for the, 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 fully. 
because you, you did it for the time that it was done, but the rest of the time you're not engaged in that mitzvah. But since, since the mitzvah, as we're saying, is that there should be a building of the teva so that he can tell the people that the flood is coming, so that requires, and as we said before, you can't make a shliach for that. So Noah himself has to build it and, it, and, and, and rebuke the people during the entire time that the flood is coming. The question that remains over here is one very important question. How, why? Since we have two ways of looking at this teva now, one is that the teva is primarily a place to save the Jewish, the, the, not the Jewish, to save, save humanity. And the other one is as an act, a call of tshuva. And that would require the act of building itself to be the most important part. And Noah needing to be the one doing it so that he can be the one rebuking the people the entire time. We then, we, what we need to know, so, so what we need to understand is, how do, what makes Rashi choose this, this interpretation of the Chumash? Where, where is it in the Chumash itself that you see that the project of the building of the Teva was not just to save, save humanity, but it was actually an act to save the people, and the mitzvah is the building. Remember, the, this comes out a huge difference. You know, to me and you, it doesn't make much of a difference. But imagine what a difference it made to Noah when he has to figure this out. Basically, it meant, on one side, if we're going to learn it one way, then he's going to spend the next 120 years schlepping and cutting and sawing and building himself, giving his life to this project. If we're going to learn the mitzvah is not the act of doing it, but that it should be done, then he can get away very easily. He just has to call Bob's construction, and they'll get his, and they'll get his construction, his, 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 his ship built. So how does Rashi derive, and here's something very beautiful, very simple, just very simple. How did Rashi derive from the psukim that the mitzvah was the building itself and then it will call for Noah himself to do it? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, very simple. Just when you read, just the order of the psukim. Let's read the order of the verses. When the Abishter introduces to Noah to build the teva, let's see how he introduces it to him. I'm going to read to you three verses. This is, the, this is the opening of the conversation. God speaks to Noah. And he says, The end of all flesh has come before me. Because the land became filled with robbery or violence from before them. I am going to destroy all life from the earth. That's verse number one. So again, so far, what do we hear? Did he mention one word about a flood? There's no flood yet. The only thing God says is, I'm going to wipe out humanity. Not just humanity. I'm going to wipe out all living creatures from the The next verse is, Make for yourself an ark. Make it from a certain kind of wood. Make it full of rooms. You should plaster it from inside and outside with tar. So basically, instructions of building the table. Why a table? Why an ark? We don't even know. 
How, what does it have to do with the, what you just told me you're going to destroy mankind? Make yourself an ark. The next pasuk, wait, and then, wait, I'm sorry, and then, and then he gives more instructions, exactly how to make it, boom, 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 50, the, the measurements, and you should make a window, fine, three stories, and after all of that, after he concludes that, what does Hashem say? And I am bringing the flood. Water on the land. So Rashi, see, let's, let's, let's go into Rashi's mind. Rashi's reading the Psukim and he's saying, hey, he's telling him to construct an ark even before he told him he's bringing a flood. Must be that the ark is not just a protector of a flood. Because if it would be just a protector of the flood, he should have first said, I am angry at mankind. I'm going to destroy them. I am bringing a massive flood and I'm wiping everybody off. And, and you make an ark to protect yourself. He doesn't say it that way. He says, everybody's corrupt and I want to destroy them. Make an ark. And then later he says, I'll bring a flood. So from there, from that simple reading, Rashi was able to derive that the ark served another purpose other than just protecting him from the flood. It served a purpose for the people that are corrupt. They are corrupt. You get out, go ahead and start building a structure and this building itself will help you communicate with the masses and help them do tshuva. So the, and the flood comes later. So of course the ark will serve as a protector of the flood, but it also serves another purpose. And that is the... And that's why once we see that the purpose of the ark was to demolish the people around him, that then, then, that has nothing to do with the finished product. That has all to do with the building. So that tells Rashi that the mitzvah is what? The building of the ark itself, that's the mitzvah. And if the mitzvah is the building, then Noah himself has to do it. And he can't even get a stitch of help. Because if anybody helps help him, Hashem didn't give them the mitzvah. Hashem gave it to him. And remember, by a Gentile, there is no agent that can do it on your behalf. So he had to do it himself. So everything is clear. Only problem we have is what I mentioned to you earlier. I mentioned to you there was another Rashi where Rashi says that shame is a carpenter because he helped his father build the Teva. So at least I know he had one helper from Rashi. And Rashi himself says it. So the Rebbe wants to say something really interesting. And he says, we can't ask a question from Rashi in Chumash to Rashi in the Talmud, in the Gemara. Because when Rashi learns Gemara, he's wearing different glasses than when he's learning Chumash. Rashi sticks to the simple interpretation of Chumash of, the, of scripture, of the Chumash, when he's teaching Chumash, when he's commenting on Chumash, much stronger than when he's learning Talmud. When Rashi's learning Talmud, he's learning by different rules. He's learning by different regulations. You can't ask a contradiction from Rashi and Chumash. In Chumash, Rashi saw that the mitzvah of Noah to build the Teva was a mitzvah that was on upon him that he had to do it because the mitzvah was the construction. And as I told you from where Rashi derived it, from this that the Pasuk doesn't even speak about a marble and it's already telling him to build the table. Rashi and Talmud, from the Talmud, it's a whole different story. You know why? Because first of all, in the Talmud, go through the entire Talmud, doesn't say anywhere it took 120 years. Midrash says it, Talmud doesn't say it, the Gemara doesn't say it. So when the Gemara doesn't, when Rashi's learning Gemara, he doesn't have this idea that it took 120 years. So if, you, if it didn't take 120 years, what's wrong to have that he had helpers? 
The main question is, how do you know that he didn't have any helpers? Because it took 120 years. If he had helpers, he should have gotten it done much earlier. The Gemara doesn't say that he did it, that he built it for 120 years. The Gemara says that during the 120 years, he rebuked the people, but it doesn't say anywhere in Talmud that he himself built it. And it doesn't say anywhere in Talmud that the people were asking him while he was building, why he's building. The Talmud says they asked him about the teva. So that can be about the finished teva, not that he built it. So over there, Rashi felt that it's more, it's more fitting to interpret it that he had helpers. So again, two ways of learning. Didn't happen. Okay. Now let's bring it back to something very, very deep and something very enriching. And that is, once we, got, once we got an understanding that in the halachic element over here, that Noah himself had to build his teva, so now we're going to find that an amazing thing. One more interesting thing, who paid for the teva? Was Noah allowed to go to the Jewish Federation and get a grant for building his teva? So the Rugged Shover actually adds, since it says, Asei make for yourself, it had to come from his own pocket. Not only did he have to do all the labor, but he had to fund it himself. So all the resources, it had to belong to him. The words, Asei Lecha, means it's yours. So here we're saying from the same words, Asei Lecha, two important halachas. Number one, he is the builder, constructor of the teva. Number two, it's his, it belongs to him. No one has part in it. He didn't do a fundraiser for it. He didn't do a GoFundMe page. Noach will be a good GoFundMe page, right? Noach himself was the one who built, who had to spend the own, his own money. Now that rings a bell, because do we have any other mitzvah? Do we have another mitzvah that's very similar to that? Well, what did we start the class today? We started our class today with the similarity of the mitzvah of sukkah and the teva. So here we have where, the two, where these two commandments come together in, a, in an interesting way. Because by sukkah it says the same thing. The words, by, by the teva it says, Asei lecha, make for yourself. And by the sukkah it says, Sukkah is chag, ha is tase lecha. Same words. Ta, a yontiv of sukkahs you should make for yourself. And how does it compare now the sukkah to the teva? How does the sukkah and the teva compare? In three things. Number one, in a, in, in, in a, um, by, a, by, by the teva, the mitzvah was in the making. The actual making of the, suk, of the teva was a mitzvah. Guess what? It's sukkah, there is a mitzvah. There is a mitzvah in building the sukkah. It's not just a mitzvah to have a sukkah, to sit in a sukkah. It's a mitzvah to build a sukkah. According to the Jerusalem Talmud, you're supposed to make a bracha when you... It's not the halacha. Halacha doesn't accept it. But according to the Jerusalem Talmud, when you build a sukkah, you're supposed to make a sher kedishanu sukkah to make a sukkah. Then you'll make another bracha when you're in the sukkah. I'll leshev basukkah. We only make the second bracha leshev basukkah. We don't make the mitzvah to build a sukkah. But there is a mitzvah in building a sukkah. Same like the teva, it was a mitzvah to build it. Number two, by the teva, what did we just say? It had to be funded by Noah. It was from his own money. Guess what? By a sukkah, the sukkah also has to be yours. So you're going to ask, whoa, we're going to get to that. How can, you eat in, how can you eat in someone else's sukkah? How can you go out for lunch to someone else's sukkah? 
How can you stop it? Oh, we'll see in a minute. But the halacha by sukkah is that you can't, the sukkah must belong to you. From where do we learn it out? From asay lecha. It has to be yours. Same like the teva. Number three, what was the purpose of the teva? One of the purposes of the teva was it protected life. The sukkah was a, the, the teva was a protection against the powerful dark flood. Well, what, was, what is a sukkah? The sukkah is made, let's say, I wanna, it, it, even though our sukkah is not to protect us, maybe, of course, it adds protection spiritually, but physically it's not a protection. But we know that we sit in the sukkah because God protected the Jewish people when they went out of Egypt with the clouds of glory. And the clouds of glory were for what? What was the point of the clouds of glory? Besides for shade, the clouds of glory were for protection. That's also, that's also, shade is also protection, protecting from the heat of the sun, from the hot scorching desert, but also it protected them from all their enemies. We know that as long as the clouds of glories were surrounding the Jewish people, they weren't vulnerable to attack. The moment Aaron passed away and the clouds went away, it says Amalek came to attack them. So the clouds was protection. So you see three similarities between the sukkah and the teva. A sukkah needs to be, there's a mitzvah in building it, the teva was a mitzvah to build it, by the teva, it had to belong, it had to be Noah's property. A sukkah has an halach, it has to be yours. The teva was meant to shield and to protect whoever was inside from negative stuff. The sukkah is also the same thing. But remember I began the class, why is the sukkah so much greater than the teva? And the answer is one thing. There's one quality that a sukkah has that a teva doesn't have. In regarding to these what we said before. And what is that? By the teva, I just mentioned, if it says you have to make it, it had to be done himself. You couldn't get anybody to do it for you. By a sukkah, you're allowed to make a shliach to build your sukkah. No problem. You don't have to build your own sukkah. You can have someone do it for you. But the person needs to be your shliach. You, you appoint a shliach to build your sukkah for you. Someone does it on your behalf, that's okay. He's your shliach to build your sukkah. There's a mitzvah in making a sukkah, so how do you get out of that mitzvah? If you can't do it yourself, you hire someone to do it. What happens if they're non-Jews and you can't make a non-Jewish shliach? That's why the schach, you're not supposed to have a non-Jew do. Some people don't know that. The schach, you're supposed to put on it yourself. And if a non-Jew put it, you're supposed to lift them back up again so that you shake it a little and it's considered as if you put the schach. That's the halach. But again, the sukkah has an advantage over the teva, is that in the sukkah you can do it for someone else. The teva Noah had to do it. It was a do-by-self project, do-alone project. Secondly, I'm allowed to come to your sukkah and eat there. Even though it's a mitzvah to eat in your own sukkah, it has to be yours. The answer is, whenever you go to someone's sukkah, they are loaning you their sukkah to be yours. That's the halach. We don't necessarily have to say it, but it's automatically. When you're going into someone's sukkah, they are loaning you the sukkah and it's considered yours because they gave it to you for loan and therefore it's yours. It's a shu'ula, it's borrowed, and it's enough. It's considered enough yours, it should be l'cha. That's the, and more than that, even if you go into someone's sukkah without permission, we say that everybody would be happy that you should be in their sukkah. And the halacha is that it's considered as, as if they consented. Unless they told you explicitly, don't come into my sukkah. But generally we say the, uh, that you can assume that the person is happy you're doing a mitzvah and they're loaning you their sukkah for that purpose. 
but by the by Noach, he couldn't get it. Needed to be from his own. Literally, he couldn't have it. We couldn't consider someone else's as yours. What's the reason for these differences? What's the reason? So the reason is very special. The reason is very special, and that's based on an interesting passage of the Zohar. The Zohar is a little critical of Noach. The Zohar wants to say how great Moshe is, much greater than Noach. And the Zohar says, Tochazi, come and see, Ma bein Moshe the Shar b'nei Alma. Let's see what's so great about Moshe Rabbeinu and the rest of the people of the world. When God said to Moshe, let me finish them off, I want to wipe the Jewish people off the map, off the face of the earth, God forbid. And God says, I will turn you into a great nation. Hashem promised Moshe that he's going to save him and he's going to be now the sole father of the, great, of the great nation. What did Moshe say? Thanks, but no thanks. Don't you dare wipe them out. Moshe cried and begged and pleaded and gained forgiveness. He did not accept Hashem's offer. Meyad Moshe says, For my sake, I'm going to, because I am now told that I'm going to be famous Moshe with my own my own, my own, my own, the father of the great, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm I'm to forsake the Jewish people. Never. I'm not going to do that. Um, but by Noah, the Zohar says, it's not the case. When I, as soon as Hashem told Noah that I'm going to protect you in the Teva, Hashem said, I'm going to bring a marble and I'm going to wipe out everything. But Hashem said, I'm going to make my covenant with you, you and your family will be safe. So once he told him the Ishtazev who that he and his children will be safe, the Zohar is very critical of Noach. He did not say to him, he didn't cry, he didn't plead, he didn't petition, he didn't ask for the generation. He said they're corrupt, let them die, and he didn't care. He had no empathy and no compassion for the people. And therefore, actually, the marble is attributed to Noah. It's called Noah's flood. There's a passage that says, May Noah, these are Noah's flood. It's almost like he's to blame for the flood. Even though he's such a tzaddik and he worked so hard to save, he saved his own. He didn't save the, the, the world. And you're going to ask, come on, what are you talking about? We just spoke a whole class that he spent 120 years, 120 years doing the work himself. And for what, what was the reason he had to do it himself? So that he can reprimand and rebuke and inspire or, and, and, and try to get his generation to do tshuva. So he does care about the masses. That's what he was doing the whole time. He worked so hard to care about in, on their behalf. Or else he could have been saved, as we said from Rashi, many other ways. Or at least God could have permitted him to get a construction crew and get it done. But he didn't because Noah had to do it himself. Why? So that he should speak to the people. So he was devoted to the people. And the answer is, why was Noah so unsuccessful? Why didn't he make one Baal Tshuva? One! In 120 years, please. One! Not one. No one did Tshuva. No one changed their ways. And you know why? Because when Noah reached out to people, it wasn't about, it wasn't, now here, here's, is very, very important. This changes, this is a game changer. This is a game changer for everything. This is an entire life has to change because of this one thought. 
Because when Noah was standing and speaking and rebuking and telling everybody they have to do tshuva and so on, he was being religious. That's what he was doing. It had nothing to do with his care and love for the people. And everybody sensed it. He didn't care about them. He cared about his commandment. He wanted to do what's good. I mean, he's a, he's a good person. He's doing what God wants him to do. He, but he wants to be a righteous individual. And if you need me to speak to people, I'll speak to them too. You need me to try hard? I'll try hard. I'll, I'll yell, I'll scream, I'll talk nice, I'll do everything. But he didn't give a hoot about the people. He didn't care about them. He cared only to be righteous. It was about his own religiosity and about him being a good person. And sadly, sometimes you can have people that are devoted and caring and doing chesed and kindness and, 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 and one should question themselves and we all have to question ourselves. Is this about others or is this only about me being good? Now, that kind of a service, that kind of a communal service, caring about people, doing for people, being devoted to people. But if the inner motivation at the core of it is so that, that I will be a good person and I will execute my obligations of my religious life or my connection to Hashem, and even if it's not, you know, because I want a reward, even if it's just that I want to know that I'm a good person and that's why I'm doing it, but it's not because I truly care about others, that's good, it's wonderful. But it's pre-Judaism. Not Judaism. It's Noah type of goodness. It's the goodness of Noah. Noah was a tzaddik. Nothing wrong. He was a tzaddik. He didn't, he, he didn't succeed too much because there was no genuine care for other people. And it translated in his teva. First of all, the teva that he built was a teva that only fit in his family. If anybody else came, say, how many rooms do you have? Well, they don't have three bedrooms. Four bedrooms. For him, his wife, his sons and their wives, and that's it. Four bedrooms. What's with... He never even thought about it. Maybe, maybe we'll have at least another two, three re- penitents. We'll, we'll make some other room. He didn't care. It wasn't... So in other words, this idea that he was about, he was a little too caught up in his own, in his own righteousness and his own doing good, Translated and actually the teva that he made that it wasn't a public teva it was a it was a Noah family teva that's what it was it was a Noah family teva it wasn't I mean that was his commandment but but again but he's caught up in he's just caught up in in in, in the commandment and he's not hearing the possible tragedy that's going to happen to millions of people in the world and he couldn't kill us as long as he's religious and he's good. And then, halachically, he can't make a shliach. Because if you're so disconnected from someone else, how can someone be you and you be them? And of course it has to be his, because the whole teva was all about himself. So the teva had to be his own money, and it had to be, and only he can build it, because it's all about himself. And it had such a result. What came out of the result of that? All of humanity was wiped out. And Noach is a big tzaddik, which is great. It's not to criticize Noach, because that was the best 
that was possible when humanity was still in an immature state. Then came Avram Avinu and taught us how to love. Then came Avram Avinu and taught us how to care selflessly. And Avram pleads and cries to God to save the people of Sodom and Amorah, which were totally antithetical to Avram. Avram is a man of such kindness. But he still cares about people and he loves people. He doesn't want... He doesn't like that they're corrupt. It's not like he's okay. Everybody, it's not like Avram is this is a happy-go-lucky, loving everybody. Anything you do, any kind of corruption, we love you. No. Avram is preaching belief in one God. He's preaching morality and so on and so forth. And he doesn't tolerate that which is not moral. But at the same time, he cares about people. and He, he cares and he loves them. And ultimately, we have a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu who brings a whole new level of caring. A caring so strong that he's willing to sacrifice Messiris Nefesh, give up everything he has for someone else, for sinners. That's the level of caring that Moshe Rabbeinu had. And by Moshe being our leader, Moshe Rabbeinu infused this in each and every one of us, that we can truly love a fellow Jew, we can truly love another human being, and love them so deeply that we care about them exactly like we care about ourselves. And guess what? That unity expresses itself in a sukkah. So even though it has to be mine, but yours is good enough for mine, because me and you are one, because I care about you. And I can, and I have to build my sukkah, but you can build it. Because you're me, I'm you, we're all one. We really, really are one. Because we'll even die for each other. That's how one we are. We picked that up from Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the unity of our sukkah that's so much greater than the unity that existed in the table. The table was a place of peace and harmony. Again, the teva was only for the good guys. No one made an attempt for the bad guys. And the animals too. Only the really good animals got into the teva. But all the sinners, no one cared. The idea over here is we're responsible for each other. So the Yohan Navi comes tomorrow and he says, Mashiach is coming. And I'm telling you because you're the good Jews. But those... Jews out there, oh my boy, oh boy, they're done. What we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu, from Avram Avinu, is that we say, we're not going. We're not going. We're not going until every last Jew comes along to the redemption. It's not going to be a redemption for me. It's not going to be my base amigdash or my connection to Hashem it's going to be all or nobody and that's what's unique about this redemption no Jew will be left behind every Jew is coming some Jews are kicking and screaming but they're coming too everybody is coming and the reason everybody's coming is because we care about each other and we really really don't want to go unless everybody comes and that's our lesson we don't have a teva we have a sukkah and a sukkah is much, much, much better than a table. Everyone waiting for wishing rain for Mashiach. Let's love one another. Everyone in song. Hey, break out in song. Ah, 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 ah.
Pepe, pepe, 